we're back. The Whiskey Hue. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing middle. We're three brothers, various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups, mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. All right, welcome everybody. This is the Prof P series. Essentially, what we're trying to do with this, anyone that I cannot have in our class, that I would love to have in our class, we're trying to record, and I think that would be beneficial to all our students and even our wider, broader Whiskey Hue audience. I'm going to, we're going to try to record them uh, and then give this to you as a homework assignment. So there will be n- n- uh, tidbits out of here that we're going to ha- that are going to show up somewhere in a graded profile of yours. But today we have the honor of speaking with one of my colleagues. I can call him now, Russell Fink. He's also a fellow adjunct at Gabelli School of Business, as I am. And for the class, I just want to say this about Russell. He went the extra mile. When I first started, I literally started in spring 2022. There were a handful of professors that I reached out to, and he was the one. He was one of the first to respond and took a call of mine because I was confused. This whole thing. We're both from the corporate world, uh, and you know, private uh, public markets. And then uh, this is a whole new experience for me. And I think Russ had been doing it for five, six years at the time. Took that call, kind of eased my kind of uh, not fears, but eased. Hey, just say this is what it's going to be, and you know, look out for these kind of things. And he kind of took that call, so I've I've been very appreciative of him ever since. Um, I would love to jump into his class because he has phenomenal speakers showing up all the time. Look through his LinkedIn, and uh, and you know, I would love to do that at some point. But this is the next best thing as far as getting him here on on our pod um, today. We we also came together in that first um, call that we had. We unlocked our love of sports. Uh, you know, a deep love of sports. And he comes from the New York area. I'm from the Chicago area, but then I'm, I've been in the New York East Coast for 20 years now, uh, 20 years last month. So, you know, I love all these sports and his, a lot of his favorite teams uh, stop some of my rivals. So I get excited about that. We'll get into all of that in a, in a bit. Uh, but we're, let's open it up. Russell Fink currently serves in his day job, Senior Director, Programming and Content Analytics, SNI, Sportsnet, NY. As, as many of you are familiar, and we're going to get into everything: NBA, NFL, RSN rights. Uh, we're, and we're both professionals in the space, media, sports. I come from the private market where we invest in these kind of properties, and I think our our worlds are going to intertwine pretty soon. They already have been, and moving forward for the next five, ten years, as, as a lot of these rights come up for acquisition, their acquisition targets, or there's different plays, fragmentation, distribution models. So regional sports, we're going to talk about, as we said, a lot of the sports, OTT, fragmentation of sports distribution, uh, we, you know, sprinkle in some other tidbits in there too. But Russell, welcome. And please clean up anything I missed. No, oh, that was pretty good. Uh, Tool, we've gotten to know each other. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Um, unfortunately, in some of the meetings where we talk about our classes, I go behind you and you're so well spoken. It's a, always a <laughs> lead to follow. Um, but I'm glad we've gotten to know each other. I'm glad I can join you guys on the podcast here. Um, yeah, I started, I didn't even start in sports. When I graduated, I went to film school, um, was going to be a famous film producer. I did a couple shows for MTV and VH1 and Comedy Central. Uh, it used to be cool when I said I worked at Real World and Road Rules, but I think that's lost some of its luster over 20 So you did, though. You did, though, huh? Real, uh, Real World, too? I did Real so World. Real World kind of started... Started all the the reality TV. I mean, that was adopted from I think Europe, right? That show from uh, it was from This American Life was the first reality show on PBS, but that goes all the way. Now we're talking seventies. But this is the one that hit the masses in a cool way, culturally cool. Yes, they get the moniker of like the first American reality show was really Real World back in the day and evolved, and they still have challenges on MTV. But I was there working MTV during the real high time when it was really popular, and it was very cool to yeah. say you worked there. I was like, oh yeah. That's what I do for a living. Those uh, that that entire that they, they had a lot of cool parties back in the day. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, set up MTV had that holiday parties. MTV it was nothing better. But after a couple of years in production, I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if this is for me. I went back. I got my MBA from Fordham. I wanted to always go into programming. Uh, I worked at places like Core TV. I guess it's True TV now. I worked at A and E. I went to Showtime for a little bit, um, and then the RSN world was picking up. Um, SNY had just started. And I said, I want to work here. I've always had a passion for sports, always had a passion for media. Here they're combining for, and there's a network on the Mets and Jets and a guy from Long Island. Those are my teams. And I waited a long time to go for that job. It opened up. I went for it with everything I got. I got it. Now I've been there a little over a decade and a half and seen the RSN business go from small to huge to declining and everywhere in between. And, you know, the great thing about sports, as we always talk about, is 
Um, you know, sports are never boring, but right now they're really exciting. Like maybe yes. in a good way, yeah. a bad way, or in everything in between, but it is a it is a hell of a time to be in the industry. Like we don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting. So you're, you're Mets and Jets. So I misunderstood that. I thought New York Giants. So that's why I was saying, hey, you've taken out the Packers, which are my rivals uh, oh. as a Chicago Bears fan. Mets and okay. Jets, long-suffering so Mets Jets. And Jets fan. Well, maybe not this season, but Mets and Jets. You might take one of my rivals. You might take Aaron Rodgers. Which is, oh, God, get him. Take him. Get him out of our division. We could hope this weekend. <laughs> but, you know, but we, you know, Mets and Jets fan, it's, it's great to have a passion for a team, but then you work with the team and their losses now affect your bottom line and it's a whole different experience. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. If you do get Aaron Rodgers, that'd be the second time you've taken a great from Green Bay. You took Brett Favre That's back true. in the day, too. It's true. He started. So, and so I never liked Brett Favre. Lost. Never liked Brett Favre with the Bears. I'm sorry, with the Packers, because, you know, whatever. But as soon as he went to the Jets, I always loved his style of play. It's just out there, right? And he took hits and got up like a champ, right? I went and got his Jets jersey when he came to the, because I said, I love this man, what he stands for. I just, because I couldn't get him as a Packers. So I got him as, you know, I, got, I still have the green jersey, the Jets jersey somewhere. I was hoping it would go up and say, you know, have some value, but I didn't. It's, it's kind of just sitting there. <laughs> Great start for um, half the seasons, seven and three or eight and three, whatever they start, and then they went to crap. But, you know, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then the first year with the Vikings, he crushed it. And then yeah. the second year, he kind of fell apart. It was actually a Chicago Bear, Floyd, that took him out. Like, I think he hit him so hard, he sat all the rest of the season, yeah. which is unheard of for Frog. He always he got, got up after everything. Tough guy. Uh, he may have had some LT type of things going on through his body, but who knows? Lawrence Dale had a lot of things floating in his bloodstream mm-hmm. to remain so violent. <laughs> but we won't get into that. Let's start up top. So, so your two favorite sports are? Can we just say MLB and and NFL. Uh, football? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. MLB, okay. NFL. So minor NFL and NBA. Yeah. I'm NFL NBA. I'm not a big NBA. Uh, Sorry, MLB guy. Uh, I've become one. My first live sport I ever went to was New York Yankees flew to, I'm from Chicago area. We went up to Milwaukee where they saw the Brewers. So I had that white, yellow, blue hat, uh, you know, but then and the Yankees, I think, beat them. And it, that's when I, that was my first live sport, but I'm really a big NFL guy. And then NBA only during the playoffs times and stuff like that. See, now, if uh, your MLB would call you right now and say, well, if you liked MLB, have you seen the game now that they're 20 minutes shorter? It's a whole different experience. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't know if it's going to bring in all the fans. But it is a different experience watching a game right now. If you're watching in 2023, those games are speedy. Like I don't. So it's so this change happened since last season. This change happened this year. So in spring training, okay. they have all these pitch clocks without going through all the details. But they have all these clocks you will see in stadium and on TV that literally will make the games 20 to 30 minutes shorter on average. And the idea and that's going to be good. Say it's too long. A, a Yankees Red Sox game could go five hours. And the normal game yeah. averages around, I don't know, 315. And now games are averaging like 240, 245. Uh, oh, you'll get a younger demographic and easy. You hope so. I don't know. It's yeah. baseball. I, I love baseball. I'm not a purist. I like the speed of the game. It's something very yeah. different. Um, but yes, the idea is someone like you who's like, yeah, baseball's all right. If you watch it now and it's only 240, you might be like, oh, that was a little better than sitting there for five hours to watch Yankees Red Sox. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I only got in when the World Series, the Cubs are in the World Series, and the White Sox. I'm supportive of both teams because, you know, both their baseball teams haven't been great. White Sox got there twice, I think, right, to the World Series in the last 15 years? Yes, that sounds right. And, well, Cubs. Yeah, and the Cubs, you know, I, that, yeah. I had buddies who went to every game. Really? <laughs> it, That's awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I I tried to get back for the parade. It was going to cost me 2200 to fly from New York to Ohio because no flights direct to Chicago, everything was all booked up, and to rent a car, and then I was, and that was going to be another five hundred bucks for a crappy whatever the crappiest car they had, because everything was in demand. This was pre-pandemic, high supply, high demand. Yeah. Uh, so that was inflation right there. But I couldn't get back. I, did, I just didn't get. I was like, this is going to cost me four K by the end of. T- it's not worth it. I'll watch it on TV. <laughs> I got kids to feed once in a while. <laughs> um, let's let's level set here. So NFL is. 17 games, right? And then the playoffs. So let's just go through the revenue models and then quickly, they generate around 17, 17 and a half billion dollars, 32 teams every year, right? We'll go through all those contracts later if you want. NBA, uh, NBA has more, 82 games, about five times as many. They generate $10 billion uh, with 30 teams. MLB similarly has 32, 30 teams, sorry, and they gen and with 162 games. Yeah. And they generate about eleven billion, so they are in uh, kind of slotted in that number two spot, right? I think uh, yeah. NBA's tra- yeah. So MLB, MLB, ironically, when I've heard a lot of my venture buddies when they invest in this, we we all invest in the sports and entertainment space, right? A lot of them will say uh, MLB is kind of the most tech savvy 
Um, and then, you know, because they've had, they've been forced to be to, to garner because they have all these other pockets. NFL has three primetime games a week, right? No other game can, no other league can claim that. So they have all these other pockets to fill. So it makes sense for them to deal with the regional networks. And this is kind of right in your lane, right? So just to give us, jump, jump us into these models. I'm curious because I don't even know how the monies, the fees are split and all that in, you know, in MLB world, NBA stuff. So, Take us down that road for a bit. Yeah, of course. MLB is the perfect example, right? So the big thing is let's take it from the RSN world. There's there's a single revenue stream and a dual revenue stream. It's about when it comes to sports and media, it really boils down that simple. And you can go down the rabbit hole of sponsorships and all that ancillary revenue, which is not insignificant, but it really comes down to the mass amount of money. Let's take SMY. I work for SMY. We have a deal with the Mets. We give a license to the Mets. We are now a cable network. If you subscribe to cable, and the only way to watch, you know, about 125 games on SMY is subscribing to cable, or if you stream it, you still got to authenticate through some sort of cable service. You're now paying for a part of your cable bill is going to SMY, whether you're watching it or whether you're not. So that's about any cable network. That's about 75, 80% of your revenue is just coming from people subscribing, which is why, which we'll talk about, I assume is why everything's on the decline as people cut the cord, which is absolutely going on. And then the rest is advertising sales. That is the top line breakdown. And that's every cable network. That's how the media system works um, is dual revenue stream. You get 80% of your subscribers or subs, 20% from ad revenue. Now, the other single revenue stream, which a lot are going to, if you plan to watch when we talk about NFL, let's say you want to watch playoff games on Peacock next year or Thursday night football on Amazon. That's a single revenue stream. You pay a subscription fee. That breaks down the whole industry. There is a ton of money outside that. But when you talk about the industry from the media side, those are your two options of how you make money. Um, And it's that simple. And that's why when they say what's going on, when people cut the cord, yeah, all those sub fees going away is brutal. But it's still not changing how much people are willing to pay for sports. When you say those billions of dollars, (laughs) I think NBA in two years when those rights come up, they're going to be a clear number two right before the NFL. Like NFL is going to stay number one for a while. It's just there's only 17 games. It's a must-watch TV. Uh, it'll yeah. stay the top, but I think NBA will clearly become number two over MLB, MLB in two years when the rights go up. It's too valuable. Uh, NBA does a lot of great things, and I think you know that's what's going to be a couple of years. You know, they make just from the Super Bowl and all the playoffs, they make around half a billion dollars alone just from the rights for that. You know, two hundred million for the Super Bowl and about three hundred for the playoffs for all the rest of the games. Oh, it's the NFL. Sorry, so it's it's uh it's incredible, and I love that sport. It's like so to me, and you tell me what analogy would be for the MLB. But I look at NBA and NFL. If I, those are my two favorite sports. So it's kind of like chess. They're the most analogous to chess, and I've brought this up on the pod before. So in chess, you have eleven pieces, both playing offense and defense. So that's similar to the NBA. The five players are playing offense and defense. You know, unless you're like currently when the teams are scoring 150 points a game. A little less defense going on, you know, than than it was about fifteen twenty years ago. The next the last twelve games have been pretty good, you know. <laughs> I, I watched that. I watched that Kings game last night, and I think their guy got hurt, uh, Brunson right. or something, right? Uh, and then that, that was you know, within that was four looking. points. Who would have known? I also, I didn't realize the Kings were top three in the West. Yes, uh, and that's maybe because Brown Brown went over from the state, the Golden State Warriors, and Golden State Warriors are kind of a mess this year. And you know, right? Knicks get a little hurt, but um, last twelve games, that team is starting to look on the rise. They're starting to look like the Knicks of old, but. I, I do think what will happen to them is kind of like what happened to the bull, my Bulls last year. Like, you know, they went in probably, the, you know, it, first round. And then, you know, depending on who they get in the first round, uh, they might get bounced around there. But who knows? Good luck to them. I'm, I'm, I'll support them. It's been a long time since we've even been in that round in the discussion. So I'll take a little bit yeah. of being in the discussion. It's a step in the right direction after a lot of years of mediocrity or lower than mediocrity. So Fair, fair. And you, you've taken your kids to the games, right? Yes. My son got into basketball. Now, as we said, I'm an MLB NFL guy. But my son is 11, and he's tall. So he got into basketball, simple as that, and he loves it. So we went to our first Knicks game, and we went at the beginning of that winning streak. So he was all into oh. it. And, you know, I'm a guy who hasn't been to MSG in many years to watch Knicks games since, you know, I go a lot of baseball games. But you got to say, MSG still has it. You walk in there where, oh. you know, our seats are okay. They're not the worst, not the best. But, man, there's an energy in MSG, and that's why it used to be. I mean, that used to be the mecca of basketball. I don't think it has that name anymore. 
But I went as a kid in the 90s when he had Ewing and Starks. And, like, those games were amazing. Uh, I got dude. to see Jordan. I got to see a Knicks beat Jordan once. And it was one of the coolest. Hey, hey, hey. That didn't, that didn't happen at all. Right? I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it didn't. And that's why it was a big deal. And it came back. <laughs> greatest game ever. But it still has that feel in it. Now, maybe it's me, just that kid wonderment of my son now being like, there's so many people here. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, this is what happened. So no. a great feeling. Like, and again, we talk about passion for sports. That's it. My son now, I think he's now forever a Knicks fan. You know, sorry. I love it. Like, I love that. He got in. No, I love that. My kids are like, so I'm trying to get them to be Bulls fans. They're not so hot. So they're, you know, they're my kid, my son, same, same age. They're both playing basketball, the younger one too. And they, they're pretty, you know, they're pretty sharp at what they, they're pretty good skilled and everything. And, but they, you know, we want to take them to these games. I took them to a, a college game and uh Princeton versus Columbia and <laughs> much different than an MSG MSG. There is hands down, nothing like that. And it's still, I still think it's one of the best experiences experiences in the NBA. It's just, it's New York City. There's, there's a vibe. There's an energy with the people. I know we're digressing, but that's kind of what we do. It's, it's sports. We go, we go nuts when we talk about you sports, right? You can't help it. But in your, and I think we chatted about this. Ewing should have had a ring. He was that good. Uh, and I just, you know, I, you know, it's the only things I can apologize for that time. Cause I, I'm, of course I'm bulls first, uh, Jordan, but Charles Barkley, uh, you know, Gary Payton, all these folks should have had Ewing. Definitely just a good all around guy. You know, LJ, I remember the, the elbows like this. You can see it here over here. Uh, and Oakley came from, came to you guys from us, you know, eventually <laughs> like yeah. he was with us first, but it's nice and then we had to trade him. He got canned by Georgetown <clears throat> yesterday. It's, you know, I'm glad we're speaking of him in a positive light because he took, <laughs> exactly. yeah, he's had some, uh, uh, some bad things happened to him with the, with the Knicks of late, right? The last 10 years haven't been a good stretch for no. him. He's thrown out. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> it's, and then getting back to that chess analogy and NFL, you know, it's 11 players, but you know, they'll, they'll, you know, offense and defense, it's 22 players, right? And then obviously on a 53 person roster. Now, the cool thing, the, another thing is at like similar to chess, it's very strategic. Both of these games are very strategic, but the NFL is similar to chess where after every play, you get to reanalyze, recalibrate what just happened with the play in front of you. So then you get to kind of recalibrate. Well, NF, NBA, you have game plans for all of our NBA athlete friends and you ask them, okay, this is how we do it. Uh, you know, we kind of, you have a game plan in a sense, and then we have our places that we, our spots that we have to get to. We keep rotating all that stuff but nfl is really start stop start stop and you get to recalibrate after each and every play quickly but they do it um so that that's what i like about it mlb what's the analogy there what what would you kind of put that in place for perspective for folks who aren't big sports fans that's a really good question um it's you know how there's the chess that you play in the street that has the clock and it's speed chess and five minutes you can either watch it on tiktok there's always like a kid or Magnus Carlson yeah. doing the clock and they're hitting it and they're hitting it. It's all strategic, but it's fast. That's where I put NBA and even NFL and MLB is the chess game where it's seven hours long and each with no clock about <laughs> and, and you're really thinking about it because problem with MLB and I see it with kids is it's a, there's a lot of rules in baseball. There's a lot of different ways to see it. It is a tough game. It is a great game for people who want to understand every detail, but mm-hmm. it's slow moving. Right. I think there was a study done on how much action is done and like how long would be a game if you cut out all the walking around, all the talking, all the setup and just did action. And it was like a tenth of the length of a game. Right. And yeah. Anyone who's taken a kid or a friend or someone to their first baseball game, um, it's an experience trying to explain the rules because you're like, oh, well, this can happen. Well, well, not really. And then you get into things like box and this and like, whoa, 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 how does this work? Or wait, you can you can't run to second, you're out. But if there's a fly ball and you catch it, you could touch the base and then tag to second. But you're not going to do it. It's an unbelievable thing to learn. So it's that chess game yeah. that takes seven hours, which is a beautiful game. Like I love baseball. But it really is a game that's like it takes a long time to learn, a long time to appreciate um, where I'll even put hockey in the MLB, hockey, NFL, NBA, where there's just a lot of action. And at its core, the wonderful thing is at its core, it's put a ball in the net, cross the line, put a puck in the net. There's something beautiful about the simplicity of what the, the game is where baseball, it's like score runs. But there's about 20 different ways to score a run in baseball. Yeah, you know my kid, my I took them to their first game was Yankees here against uh, the I think the White Sox or somebody, and they became Yankees fans. They're both Yankees fans. They love it, which I'm I'm cool with. I'm like, hey, do your thing, man, because I don't know baseball, so I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> but you know what we're seeing? So it, in in the NFL, 
And and you tell me the same. It's got to be the same with the MLB. You know, people are fans of teams. Or in the NBA, they're more fans of players. And I, and all of them get to play in the whole fantasy app space, right? They all make their monetization. They have their monetization strategies from there. But NFL, you still remain fans of teams. I mean, you know, Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers. Maybe he brought a lot of folks with him, right? Because he's Tom Brady. And and then you know, NBA. This really, hey, wherever where Le- LeBron's going this year, uh, you know, like who he's hanging out with this year to try to get that. You know, you got to commend his uh, commitment to play, losing with every point guard in the league. I'm kidding. It's just a little shot. Got to do it. I'm a Jordan guy. <laughs> but, but, no, let's let's get you know let's get to that. Um, but you make a. So, I'm sorry. I mean, but like. NBA, We're doing it. Let's do it. Greatest thing NBA did, which I think they're amazing at, their marketing on how they set up players, everyone should be learning from them because, you know, we both teach. There's a lot of international students that come through my classes at Fordham and other schools. And when you talk about sports, because no matter what class I'm teaching, we go to sports because I'm a sports guy. We're going to end up there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the international students, their favorite U.S. sport across the board is always NBA. And they never say a team like, oh, it's the Knicks because I know SMG or the Bulls because I love Jordan. They are all over the map of the team they like because they find a player they connect with. And NBA has done an amazing job of saying, we're now to judge who the person is, good, bad, left, right. They're going to be who they're going to be, and we're going to embrace the superstar. NFL does that to a smaller level. MLB does a poor job of it where they say, we're a purist. Don't flip the bat. Don't show off. Where people who work in them, it's like, no, no, you're never going to get younger fans because they connect to players. My son is in basketball. He became a Knicks fan because of MSG, but he can name more players on other teams because wherever he's getting his content, YouTube, TikTok, YouTube shorts, wherever it is, is all about the personalities of players and who they connect with. And NBA has done an amazing job of doing that domestically and internationally, um, which is why NBA is always talked about on the rise. And that's why I think they're a clear number two. It'll take a while to take NFL for all the reasons you said, but they do the right things. And every sport should learn about how, like, you shouldn't judge good, bad, what they do, how they are. People are going to connect in whatever they connect in. And you got to let sports fans be sports fans. And partially, the best top two, top three players in the NBA right now are foreign born. You know, you can say uh, Joel Embiid and uh, the Greek freak, right? Our buddy, he's, he's originally from, where is he from in Africa? Um, but, you know, Embiid's from Cameroon, right? So, but um, where is he from? I think it's Nigeria. Yeah, but the two best players, foreign-born right now. Luca's up in the top five, right? You could probably put him there, right? You could say that. Yeah. And, you know, and then, and then you know, um, it's the most exportable American sport. Right. It's the one that can, you know, MLB kind of got there. They had a huge time with Japan decades back. Right. And it was a nice exportable sport. Football is not. They're trying to make football an international sport because they, a most parents our age are not putting their kids in football to groom them to become eventually, uh, you know, so that if that number is already squandered down at the, at this level, less people are going to be available at the collegiate level. And then to go to the pros, whereas basketball, less injuries happen there, you know, aside from, you know, the last couple of, you know, simple stuff that happens there's load management. Uh, we're going to get into that in a minute, but you know, that's, that's probably what it is. Let's, let's get into the load management. Actually, this is, this is where I think the quality of the NBA has gone down. There's, NFL I love, there's the shield. It is the power of all be all, be all power, power. Like, hey, if someone tries to step against the shield, it there's a problem, right? It, it, the, the owners and the league has more power than the players. And I want a calibration. Uh, you know, hey, let's not just squash. If there's some human rights issue, let's deal with it, right? right? But the NBA, there's too much power with the players. And I think the the quality has suffered. Like when you have, and I think it started with Kawhi, right? You know, he kind of, after he came back from that surgery, he would take every other game off. And then LeBron, I mean, and it's not a knocking, but like, I remember he took off that one year. He had a, 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 a minor ankle sprain, took the last six weeks of the team playoffs, of the regular season off. Only to I'm saving myself for the playoffs. They get bounced in the first round, right, by the Suns. Uh, so you tell me that's not good for the NBA because he's the face. He and Steph Curry are still the face of the NBA, I think, right? Uh, for, you know, and a lot of these other players too. But those two people are watching them. They're they're there to watch those two. Yeah, anytime they suit up anywhere. So I like what Kobe said. His wife used to ask him, "Hey, why do you play when you're beat up so bad? You're hurt right now." He goes, "People who spent all their last dime to come watch me play, they deserve to watch me play." Right. So it's for them. And I love that kind of that Jordan Kobe mentality and what they had in a while back. Take that for a minute. Yeah, because that's it led right into what we're discussing. That's the downside of embracing the player of the face of the sport. 
is now they have power to say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that is the downside of it, right? Because NFL doesn't have that problem. There aren't so many faces of the sport. There are favorite players. There's fantasy players. There's who I like and who, but they don't embrace it the same way. And MLB, it's the same way. I don't know who you would say is the face of MLB. I can tell you who I think the best players are. Most people would say, yeah, I don't know. Trout, what does he look like again? Or you may know Otani because you read about it, but like they downplay it because they were like, no, no, we're a team sport. We don't embrace the individuals. So we're NBA. I love that they do that. You mentioned perfectly the downside is now they have the power to say, well, if I'm the face of the sport and you're embracing me who I am, well, if I'm hurt, I don't play. Or if I need a day off, I don't play. And what are you going to do? Go against them because now your fan base is going to say, well, you don't mess with LeBron. You don't mess with Curry. Yeah. Like These are our guys. And if you're going to mess with them, then we're not going to go to the sport because now they are completely 100% on the player side where other leagues right. might get it. Like MLB had a lockout last year. And for the first time, and they've had lockouts and strikes before, for the first time, the, they usually wait to see which way the public goes. Last time, right. the public didn't go either way because there's such a mm. – they didn't have players who they kind of connect with. They didn't care so much about the owners. It was a post-COVID world. They were like, I just want to play. Like, I don't care. NBA has that problem. If LeBron stood up and said, no, this is ridiculous, people would say, all right, well, my guy's saying this, so you're wrong. They're not going to yeah. – they take their guys. They feel that connection, and when you connect in sports, you're going to defend them to the end, right? Like that's a big yeah. deal. So like with anything, NBA embraces it, but there's downsides to it. They put themselves at risk where they hurt themselves in the end. But I would say, and maybe you'll disagree with me, I would say the benefits of that embracing with the marketing, the international you know, money and, and the interest and all of that outweighs that. But I agree with you. That is a major downside of letting the players have too much power in that situation. Yeah, and you know, but the, the ratings in the games are going down, right? Uh, you, you're seeing that. You're seeing that happen. And then, you know, maybe the playoffs, they ramp up. It depends on who's in, but it, the ratings are going down. I would even say the NFL playoffs this year, that's for the NBA I was saying, the NFL playoffs this year weren't as fun as last year. Remember last year, every game was lights out, and it was the Bills, Chiefs, and then, you know, the Bills didn't have a hot playoffs this year. But all these teams kind of came down to the wire uh, last year. This this one's as as solid this year. And the playoffs in the NBA, they're so long. Right, yes. and, and some teams don't belong, belong playing. You know, the first and eighth seed. They, do we need seven games of that? <laughs> you know, it goes on forever. Um, NBA and NHL yeah. feel like they start and end like six months later. Two months of playoffs, play. right? Two wow. months of playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. You know, I, I'll say like so. I know Maurice Evans and Mo, Mo, Maurice Mo Evans. He played with Kobe with the Lakers. He retired with the Wizards. So he was going to be the sixth or seventh man, right? He's not LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, right? And he he admits that. So. He said um, he, he was part. He was the VP of the last CBA, right? The last negotiating agreement, the collective bargaining agreement. Um, I hope this year. I think there's going to be a strike because the owners need to get some of the power back. I think there needs to be because you can't let the power, players have this much power. Because look, the, any other issue that you know they can stand. I'm 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 going to sit out this game uh, just because you know I think I'm going to sprain my ankle, you know, in the future. So I'm going to sit out every other game. You can't have that because then like can a Google CEO getting that kind of quality pay or a Google executive? Could you and I? Hey, you know what? I take every other day off. Um, they're like, you got to go, buddy. <laughs> Right. So I don't like that. But the only reason I'll say I don't know is because that rights agreement in two years, you can't do anything to mess. If you make the sport look like it's a little messy or a little unorganized or there's disagreement between players and owners, like two years from now, someone's coming in. Apple, Amazon, YouTube, NBC, uh, you know, Discovery. There's too much money. There's so much money. If you mess with that, that's why MLB, everyone was like, wait, in a post-COVID world, we're finally going back to sports and you're going to have a lockout like how dumb can you be get in a room and figure it out because you're going to kill a sport that's on the way down nba is on the way up to ruin that momentum by getting in a fight now again anything can happen but i think they just know we're there's so much money at stake in two years on how they're going to do it um but i agree with you ratings down nfl nba they're all having it i in my opinion that might just be it's so many different networks. Everyone's figuring it out. We're going through a transition on how we watch sports, not just in the multi-platform yes. way that we're watching on TV, our phone, our watch, or wherever we're watching. We're also going, if you're a baseball fan, you might have to go to seven networks and subscribe to seven different forms of distribution just to watch your team. NFL, Jesus. you got to do a couple. NBA, whether people don't want to believe it or not, is going to be the same. The only sport, which 
has its own family. MLS is all on Apple TV+. Plus. It's the only sport right. that said we're going one-stop shop, but they have nothing to lose by doing that. Like, yeah. you know, everyone thinks MLS was on all these different RSNs, right? And the little – well, the known fact, but people refuse to sometimes believe it when you tell them on the side is do you know how much they were getting paid in rights fees for most of those deals? Zero. Zero. The teams were producing the games and getting paid nothing, but they need a distribution to build the sport. Makes sense. So Apple TV Plus came, comes in and says, let's buy the whole thing. On the West Coast, it's popular. On the East Coast, it's not. But let's buy it all. Make a one-stop shop. Love the idea. You can't do that in the ML, but in Major League Baseball or NBA or NFL, it's too much money. But they yeah. so all over the place. Um, it's becoming tougher to watch all of them. And at some point, the price might get too much. Right? How many... I'm a baseball fan. How many different things can I subscribe to watch the Mets? Right? Like, yeah, I'm a, you're, you're it's, a parent. We, we, I don't know if I joined Amazon for football. We join it for free shipping and watch football. Yeah. But I don't know. And, and I'll say that Thursday night experience isn't as good as it was on the NFL network. It was weird watching the, the, the camera production wasn't as quality yet. This was the first year. Maybe the quality wasn't as good. And then I, I remember and then we had another way to get in and watch it some other way. I would prefer that over Amazon, which I'm already paying for, right? So I would take the other avenue because it was a better quality game. It was the actual way it would have been shot, like if, if NBC or someone was behind Correct. it. Correct. Well, not NBC. I shouldn't say you don't NBC, watch ABC or someone. If you watch Apple TV Plus Friday Night Baseball, they did a poor job. Ask anyone. They're reaching did they? The okay. Yeah, they tried to. They tried to get too creative and changing everything, and it didn't work. Uh, Amazon, I agree with what you're saying. I think they did good on year one. They have plenty of room for improvement. Yeah. They, but they did year one. Like the whole history of it, and I won't go too far into this one, is everyone forgets how ESPN was born. ESPN, no league wanted to go to cable. They were on ABC, NBC, CBS. You know, Fox wasn't around that yet, but they were on the broadcast. They said, we don't know what this cable thing is. We don't want to go there. So ESPN came in. They pay, overpaid stupid money, but they knew they were doing it for baseball, yeah. not for football. They said, we're going to pay so much for baseball. We're never going to make a cent, but baseball can't say no. So baseball went to ESPN. ESPN couldn't afford it, but because people had to sign up for it, they were able to get football a couple years later and became ESPN. We're going through that trans same transition. Amazon's they can never make enough subscription revenue for the billions of dollars no. they spent on Thursday Night Football. But we're now getting used to going to the OTTs for baseball. For, um, yeah. for Thursday Night Football. And if you're a soccer fan, you'll go to some of these, whatever, the zone or wherever else, or you know, you'll go to MLS on Apple TV+. Plus. We're starting to get used to it. So you're going to see this dip in the ratings because we're all trying to figure out what we want. Yeah. Um, but we'll get there because it worked for ESPN. It'll work for the OTT world. Uh, but yeah. there's a little time to adjust, including myself. Like, it's a lot. What it did open up for, like, let's say the Amazons, the Apples of the world, it's live programming. Now they can sell ads, sell advertising against that, right? There's commercial breaks, which they never had before uh, access to that, unless there's some sort of tiered model. But this is now straight for that. And now it's getting, it's conditioning the audience. Hey, you're used to getting what well, binging with no commercials. Now we're going to condition you. And guess what? Now there's going to be, we can offer more tiered models for our other programming. So that's going to happen. Let's jump back. You said something really interesting. So in the 70s, 80s, it was MLB. That was kind of they were number, America's number one sport. And baseball was until, like, let's say, I would say, and you, you may not like this as a New Yorker, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones came in in like late 80s. I think he acquired the team, right? It was like he, he basically he acquired it for like half of what, you know, like I think like 150 million at the time, 100, less than 200 million. I'm not sure. And that would probably be in today's inflationary dollars, let's say 300 mil. Let's say 325 at the most, 300, right? So double what it was before, what he paid. 100. It's worth five and a half billion. It's the, you know, uh, that team. He said, we are not a sport only. We are entertainment, right? And he said, we need to treat our our league as such. And he's that's why Jerry Jones can get away with a lot of shit stuff, right? Because he's he kind of set he's he's the kingpin of this entire thing uh, behind the scenes, right? He's more powerful than Robert Kraft and all these all these other guys, right? It's just because he's been in it that long and he set the tone for what the current blueprint is of the NBA, uh, the NFL. And people, a lot of people don't get that. Like, oh, why is you know if you listen to any Cowboys fan every year, they're like, oh, as long as he's GM and and the owner, we're never going to win, right? And then and then if they have a hot year, then they're like, oh, he's great. You know, all of us do that for all our teams. But 
But he set that tone, and then when they started treating it like an entertainment vehicle, and then everything became an event after that, right? So the and the NFL draft and the combine were even watching, right? Combine was boring as hell. I watched a little bit of it last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, and I was like, this, I can't do this. But they create an event. Everything is every cost center becomes a monetization strategy, a monetizable asset for them, and they're so brilliant at doing it. NBA did it eventually, and you, you, you yeah, take that for a bit. Oh yeah, absolutely, and you say it perfectly. Jerry Jones, I mean, he was the architect, but the perfect example is right in front of us, which is the Super Bowl, right? The Super yeah. Bowl, it is 113 million people watched it this year, right? It was the third or fourth, yeah. depending on who you speak to, most watched event ever on TV, on history, and the Super yep. Bowl is big. But the Super Bowl is not a game, right? It's, it's the game for the hardcore fans, but there's seven hours of pregame. There's the halftime yeah. show with the special guest, Rihanna's pregnant. I mean, Twitter blew up 10 seconds. Twitter had to shut down for a couple of minutes because of how many people went on Twitter to see if Rihanna's pregnant. There's the post-game show. There's the after, which is not as big because now, but there's the show after the post-game show, the biggest lead out yeah. of the Super Bowl. There's the story of what's going on that week. Is it Tom Brady is going to go undefeated against the Giants? Yeah, I had to throw in a New York thing. Is it the Kelsey brothers <laughs> of who's doing? Like the spectacle that's become, and you're right, Jerry Jones is the perfect one, but the Super Bowl is the perfect one, right? And that's kind of, yeah, he yeah. understood it early. But if you're going with the 80s, I'll go with the Super Bowl shuffle. Remember the team did a music video. I'm throwing the Chicago out yeah, there, right? That video <laughs> yeah. is still awesome. But it was an- It was some soft-ass rap, but it was rap. Who can remember Jimmy Mann had the headband? And, like, But that was something Love that it. embraced the idea of like the Super Bowl is no longer just a football game. We need to understand we're entertaining the world. And that's why people yeah. still tune in. And when we talk about advertising, the best that I have off the top of my head is I think the Super Bowl, first Super Bowl was 1967. And uh, if you take 1967, what commercial costs to the 7 million that it cost in oh 2023, God. a price of milk has gone up 181% from 67 uh, to 2023. <laughs> so it's gone up 181%. How much do you think a Super Bowl commercial has gone up percentage wise from 67 mm. to? 2023. I have no idea. No 18,000%. Oh, my God. If you use the same model, a price of milk today would be $81 if it went up the same way that the commercials in the Super Bowl have. Now I'm just wow. I love that. Thanks for the history. Hey, can I can I take us back a little bit more historically? So okay, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna trip it. I'm a Chicago guy. George Hallis, our founder, went to my undergrad about you know 70 years before I did, um, and a lot of our players came from my undergrad eventually because it was a feeder into the Chicago system, U of I, Urbana-Champaign. So he in 1920 he sat in Canton, Ohio, with a bunch of other teams, and the New York Giants were invited later because they needed a New York marquee team because Chicago's where all of this started. Arizona Cardinals are from Chicago. They were the Chicago Cardinals, and the reason they wear that colors because they took University of Chicago's old, uh, the, the college, and the uni- and they took their old uniforms, and they're that deeper crimson, and the Bears took the U of I, where we went to undergrad, uh, where I went to undergrad, and they took their old uniforms, and they're the blue and orange. They said, well, to make it tougher, than because we're tougher than college, we're going to do deeper blue, deeper orange. That's all they did. And then Arizona Cardinals eventually went there. But 1920 was the first championship game. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. 1933 was the first championship game. 1920, they would just have regular season games and they would just beat the hell out of each other. Right. 1933 was the first championship between who? Chicago Bears and the Giants. And Giants won it. La- I'm sorry. The Bears won it last minute, I think, in the last two minutes. And they won that game by a couple points, two, three points. And then, then you know, they've always had this nice little rivalry going back and forth. And all these other Midwest teams came up. But it started. That's why the Hall of Fame's in Canton, Ohio. Because in George Allis said, well, that's the most central for all the teams to come. Ohio's a bit more central. Let's meet there and do it. And then let's set up all the leagues. And then AFL will come. And NFL's been always great. If there are these other rivalry, rival leagues you know, playing football and they started to be a threat, they would just absorb them into the family. So NFL and a- AFL, when you said 67, they joined and they said, okay, we're going to have a championship game between us, your league and us, and then eventually they end up joining partnerships and, and joining on. So any team, they would just absorb. In World War II, there was a dip in the league because everyone was at war. After that, that's when the other uh, AAFL or something, AAFC started. Uh, I know too much history about that. It's kind of no, boring. I, but that's, you know, I love it. I you love know? the history part of it because the Super Bowl <laughs> wasn't called the first championship when they merged in 67 wasn't called the Super Bowl. It wasn't called the Super Bowl until yeah. Super Bowl three. which now who won Super Bowl three? because now we're talking as a Jets fan. Do it. Now throw the, I get to mention the Jets winning the Super Bowl. I don't get to mention that I love much it. because 
we talk about this and now we're going down the history. Me and you are just going down the rabbit hole of history. Dude, g- give, it, give it to him. Who won that? It was New York And how was it declared like, the day no, before? It was the guarantee. He yeah, guaranteed two, the win. And was it three days before? What? Two days, when did he say it? Did he say two, three days before? Or was it like a whole week before? before? He didn't actually yeah. speak. It was a heckler during his press conference, his pre-Super Bowl conference. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, that's the right. Colts are going to beat your ass and say, you know what? We're going to win. I guarantee it. And then for every game, and talk about, when we talk about this, Broadway Joe understood media. He was this... You know, lack of a better word, the He's good. boy who went out there in the white sneakers and he was always going out and partying. And he understood when you understand media and sports and the marriage of entertainment, media and sports, that's what makes it big. They all live in this symbiotic relationship. And when we go through history, we're following it through of like how people stand out because they understood that relationship. And the Super Bowl became the Super Bowl. The Jets won and never to win again but they won that once and yeah they understood they crushed it. It. against a team they probably that was really good that was really good they were 18 <laughs> the point underdogs Eight, yeah. we'll never see it again in a super bowl think about it. 18 point underdogs that's true they always make it smaller just for either betting or whatever you know we can go through that there's a different thing but you'll never see an 18 point underdog because the afl were seen as the worst like the lesser league and they were never going to win and then it flipped but again me and you were showing the history just showing how important that relationship yeah. with media sports entertainment they all combine and that's why it's so valuable you said something about the afl right there so it's perfect because we're coming full circle afl was kind of really the hunt family owners of the chiefs are really kind of the first family that kind of pushed it at that time because they were pretty hot early in the early on in that time in the 60s as well right so they they were the kind of a, the large, the best team in the in the AFL. So that's how it kind of the merge happened because the Hunt family they were pushing for a lot and a lot of the equal equal rights and all that between the two leagues and all that. So you know you mentioned a lot about um, the the rights, all these new networks, ESPN, and then before Roger Goodell, there was Pete Rozelle who did he kind of set a nice blueprint for this to expand this league, not just with expansionary teams, but making everything an event as we mentioned, and you know, and then having hey let's you know, ESPN said, not only are we going to air games, but highlight packages. That's another monetizational strategy, right, for the NFL. Let's let's do this. And, the, and he was really good about expanding the game beyond his breath, right, which is amazing. And then I want to tie this all together because you, you said, okay, if we're going to be going to six, seven different devices, streaming platforms, whatever it is to watch our games, how do you – so that's not, it's going to be less prevalent for maybe the NFL because there's 17 games. Right, and then the playoffs. So, in of those th- three of the games are, you know, three of the sixteen games or fifteen games a week are going to be in prime time slots. Right, mm-hmm. they're the only league that owned an entire day Sunday. Right, uh, you know, you have a nighttime game and obviously the two afternoon games, Monday night, Thursday night. Hopefully, they don't do more to these players and put in another night because their bodies get banged up right. in these games. Right, they can't even move for the first two days from what you hear when when you talk to these guys. <laughs> but what's gonna so okay. Let's take the Olympics. Let's strip away from these major sports here. Take the Olympics, the Japan Japan, Japan Olympics that was just a couple of years ago during the pandemic. Yeah. I I couldn't I didn't watch one basketball game because I couldn't find where the hell they were being played. Oh. I could, I didn't know where to go. Yeah, uh, I was like, come on, man, that's what I want to watch. Yeah, you know, I I love the other stuff, but NBA. I wanted to watch the basketball games. I, I didn't get to see one because I didn't know where they were airing. And that's what's going to happen with some of these sports, right? And you're going to be paying out of the leg, arm and leg to watch your favorite team. Yeah, I. Because I work, technically work for NBC. I don't want to be too harsh on them. But honestly, Peacock, I have friends at Peacock. I love Peacock. They missed the bow in the Olympics hard. I'm an Olympic junkie. I could watch 20 hours of the Olympics every day. I don't care what time zone, where it is. Yeah. Winter, summer. Yeah. I can't get enough major sports, random sports, and everything else. I become an expert on the Olympics for two weeks. And that was a lesson. That will be a case study on what not to do. Right? Peacock went out. There was no... There was no information. No one knew where to find it. What you said was everyone's problem. Like they had so much yeah. stuff. They threw it out there. That was a lesson. And we have, and then they went out and they're like, we had 14 billion impressions. It was like, first of all, as a guy who's in measurement, what does that mean? There's no context and understanding. But even as a simple fan, you couldn't find anything. You didn't know where it was. It was a lesson on how to do it wrong. And you have too much of a good thing and not how to get the message out there. And that was, and you're right. It's like a warning for everyone on a bigger level when you extrapolate it of like, don't do that. When you have so much, figure out a way to do it. Like, you know, what does it well is March Madness. Like March Madness, we're mm. going to have those games and go for them. Let's hope. Um, yeah. But I think 92 is the last time they're in the dance. We can hope. But they do a good job of like, you know, like court TV always has a couple of games, but everyone knows it's there. They do a good job of say, here's our games. Here's where they're going to be. They over communicate it. But in this day and age, when you have that many different networks, 
you have to get it out there. The Olympics is the example of doing it wrong. March Madness, you'll watch in a couple of weeks. We'll know where everything is. Every game, we will know. It will be there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the lesson doing it. And that's the lesson of the sports because a lot of people within the industry say, hey, if you're a Jets fan or a Bears fan or a Bulls fan, you're going to find it. And that's the wrong approach. You shouldn't put it yeah. on the consumer to find it. It's our yeah. job to communicate because once you put it on the consumer in this day and age, if they get frustrated, that's it. You're done. So that's an okay. old school approach to a new way of consuming sports. Well, a lot of what we talk, you and I in our classes, I'm assuming you do as well. Like we talk about TAM, total addressable market, and then SAM, drilling that serviceable, uh, obtain, I'm sorry, SOM, serviceable obtainable market. So I'm going to have you walk me through how the MLB is making this happen because they have 10 times the games of the NFL, uh, double the games of the NBA. Uh, so you just do those numbers. So each NFL game matters to the outcome, the playoff seating, and then maybe hopefully where you go, right? But they are, they're the, so there's a scarcity value. And so they are able to monetize on that strategic play, right? Now, we've also seen they're the ones that, hey, if you are the worst team, your worst to first happen all the time in the NFL. And, you know, and they, and from the NFL's perspective, I think, let's say they generate 10, 11 billion of that 17 billion that, that comes to the league. 300 million goes out to each team, uh, about 275 to 300 million. So they're trying to have equitable play because somewhat son of a somewhat of a decentralized play in a sense that's a you know a popular term nowadays how what in the mlb is doing this how are they making it more equitable because even with this in the nfl you still have tom brady until he dried and you know and it's gonna be patrick mahomes it looks like for a long time he that you know that's why a lot of eagles fans are saying let's get this one because patrick mahomes is probably gonna be back <laughs> by the time his career is done, yeah. which is probably true. He's been there three times already and he's 25, whatever, whatever it is. Definitely. So yeah. phenomenal player, right? Yeah. So even with the equitable play, you still have the same kind of teams that the, you know, I, I put Aaron Rodgers, you know, of course I'm supposed to not like the guy, but he's a phenomenal player, but he's kind of the Peyton Manning of the NFC. He's phenomenal because he has a weak division in the regular, in the regular season. Great player. You can't take that away from him, but in the playoffs, he finds a way to lose, right? And, you know, so they always, and even when they should be winning at all, they always find a way. And why I he's a perfect the New York jet. Giants. <laughs> That's why he's a perfect jet. I'll, we'll take him of like far and everyone else. He's perfect team. He'll get my hopes just up enough to break my heart. And that's a true Jet fan. Yeah. yeah. So what can – so the scarcity values, it helps increase that kind of – right? technically, MLB should have – they should be able to have a larger serviceable, like obtainable market. They should have a large enough play because there's so many games to monetize, so many opportunities around those games. What can they – what are they doing right? What could they be doing to move it forward? Well, we spoke a little bit about what they could be doing is just simple. Their marketing, their message is really, they have the wrong message. They're not embracing the stars. They're saying we're a team sport and we're purists and we're this. And MLB is your America's pastime and this. And you're, you're kind of relying too much on that older demographic, that male 55 right. plus that watches mainly baseball. It's the wrong demo. If you're going for a younger demo, they're changing the pace of the game and they're trying to make major changes without pissing off the purists of the fans, which is the right idea. As for the amount of games, you have this ton of games, right? So they're starting to fragment it and sell it in pieces, which in theory is the right idea. Like, all right, Apple TV on Fridays, Peacock on Sunday mornings, ESPN Sunday nights, Fox Saturdays, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to be careful of how many different places become too much. And I don't know that balance because people are already annoyed. Like, I can't – if you're a Yankees fan, you also have it on Amazon. Amazon has rights to the Yankees games. Yep. So yep. – uh, you have one extra step to get there, which pisses Yankee fans off all the time. There was a big game where Judge might have broken the record, and it was going to be an Amazon game, and Yankees fans went in chaos. They were like, you need to give it back yeah. to Yes or ESPN or Fox, and that's not okay. And they're like, hey, that's how the rights work. You're going to have to figure out how to get to Amazon. So it's that balance, and I don't know the right balance because MLB is like, all right, we need to figure out the sport. We need to maximize the revenue. We need to maximize the opportunities with all of these mass amount of games. Um, I'm a little simpler in that one. I think you need to really start embracing your teams and your stars and the fun of the sport. I think you're focusing too much on the focusing on putting a bandaid on a gaping wound instead of embracing the stuff that's already there. Sure. Right. Otani. Okay. Like here's the thing. When Steinbrenner was head of the Yankees, everyone hated the Yankees and everyone watched the Yankees. You either watch them, <laughs> watch them to lose. Like it was great to have an enemy. The Mets. LeBron's that same figure in the NBA, right? The Warriors are the same figures in the NBA, right? They, they want to see them win or lose. Whoever's watched, tuning in to watch that game. Embrace it, right? The Mets yeah. right now. I mean, as a Mets fan, it's great. But the Mets right now, Steve Cohen, they're just 
Every article is, how are you going to stop him? The Steve Cohen tax, he hits the luxury tax, he doesn't care. He was going to spend $500 million on the team and $200 million in taxes, and he doesn't care. Good. Embrace it. Make him the ultimate good guy or bad guy. Like, embrace that storyline. We said it already. Yeah. It's entertainment. If you want to make yeah. Steve Cohen the ultimate good guy, or Steinbrenner was the ultimate enemy and the ultimate bad guy, and boy, was he awesome. So embrace that storyline, right? Steinbrenner got suspended a couple times, which – historically was the reason why the Yankees became so good. But we could talk about that another time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But even so, like, embrace that story, embrace the entertainment. And people like say, whoa, baseball's kind of good. You got that Steve Cohn guy. He's spending a billion dollars. Everyone else is spending 150. Like, I want to root against the Mets because they're just so good. It's not fair. Great. Feed it, turn, swerve into the curve and enjoy the entertainment okay. value. Baseball always seems to be fighting it and saying, well, if we make the game 20 minutes shorter, that'll fix it. It's like, no, no, NBA gets it, right? Like, yeah, it's the story around the game, right? Can, may, may I ask you this then? So like, so the NFL, of the league revenues that come in, that $17 billion, whatever it is, uh, 60% of that goes back to the teams. Yes. NBA is like 50%. MLB is the lowest at 30%, so half of what the NFL. Do you think if they gave more to the teams and you'd have more kind of equilibrium among the teams? Because you really have like star franchises and then everybody else. No, because baseball's still set up without a salary cap, and you can make these, Fair. again, Band-Aid on a wound. You can make these luxury taxes, but if Steve Cohen's an owner and he's a diehard Mets fan with billions of dollars in his pocket, he showed him two years that he's already like, all right, F you. I'm going to make this team yeah. a winning team and spend whatever it takes. Yeah. But my point is still the same. Like, You know what? Let the other teams, because then what happens when the Rays become good at a $70 million payroll, we're all going to root for them. They're going to be – it's going to be a story itself, right? When the Mets play the Rays in the World Series and one is a billion-dollar payroll and one is $100 million, it's going to yeah. be fun to watch that, right? Sure, like, sure. Yeah. And we've seen that with the Yankees. Everyone rooted against the Yankees in the World Series. As much as Jeter was likable, you root against them because you're like, ah, they're supposed to win. And it was fun. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, I, I feel like it comes down to – we could talk about all the finances and the marketing and all those different things. But when it comes down to it, it almost goes back to the beginning of our discussion – we love sports and the leagues, yeah. the teams, the people who own it, the people who play it. That's what you got to remember. And you said perfectly. Kobe said people spend their life savings to watch me play. Yeah. It's my job to go out there and entertain them. And that's yep. the whole point of it. Like that's why we spend so if, much money on it. And if you look at the top 100, you know, viewing events of the last year in 2022, I think 90 to 93, so 93%, upwards of 90% were NFL, yeah. uh, you know, and then all the other sports, live events around sports, but NFL owned the majority of them, Correct. right? Uh, and, and then, you know, then it was like the election yeah, coverage or something. It was something else, right? Probably the Oscar post slap, right? Uh, something like that yeah. kind of came in. Um, and then uh, watch that Chris Rock uh, special, by the way. It's amazing. It's funny as hell. I know, and they're already this. editing it, but that's all. They're already editing pieces <laughs> out, which is messed up, but, you know, we... Don't cover there. If you go through the history of TV, the hundred most watched broadcasts, something like, you know, they're all Super Bowls and sporting events and news events are second. And then only one TV show. And there's a fun fact for you. Only one TV show breaks that top hundred. Uh, Is it MASH? It's MASH. Good call. I think I heard the stat somewhere. That's why. That's the only reason I know it. <laughs> it's a great, like, except for MASH. Still, still MASH, huh? Still, MASH is still up there in the top 15 or something like you know, it's crazy. that's going to be a hard one to push all the way down. Who shot JR is going away. But like when there were only three networks, but it's all Super Bowl or famous news events, which people sometimes don't count. What's Apollo landing and the moon and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's all Super Bowl and sports. Like that's what people go to watch. That's what you have to watch live and you have to. It's a must. So, OK, so. Uh, there's th the three. Okay, let me let me go nerd in my in my world for a little bit. I'm, I'm a I'm, I like banking. <laughs> I like finance. How it drives these markets. So we have. So I, I, I've been in tech, music, entertainment, and then sports. Right, and then investing in all these now. Now, if I look at what private equity and venture groups are doing, they're going and acquiring like the Bob Dylan music catalogs, Dr. Dre, Snoop. Justin Timberlake, Justin Bieber, all of these people, Heart, all of these groups, right? And so that's happening in music. Yeah. You better be damn sure they're coming for the sports world because it, they're just the top three uh, groups, organizations with the lar largest assets under management. It's like $20 trillion, which is just a couple shy of the entire GDP of America. So they're going to come for these monetizational assets, right? So 
they'll probably come and play in this world too. You and I touched upon this early earlier today. Maybe before we jumped on, is like okay, I think Fox had the rights to a bunch of rights, and they and then they sold it off to Sinclair. Sinclair is now out for bankruptcy potentially. I think Disney did the same thing. They had something. They sold a bar Bally's right, and Bally's now is having some issues. So I'm assuming some private equity group or someone's going to come in there, or maybe some of the leagues are going to take ownership of that, and they're going to put it on their platform. So it's going to become more fragmented. So how do you play with this space? Because it's the endless, the quality of the sport, but could decrease because you have all these larger pockets aren't going to force them to be better. They just want to be a part of this. They're going to pay more to get the asset. So I asked you about 15 questions there. Go. I'm kidding. Wherever wherever you want to start. (laughs) So what happened is the RSNs were the perfect business model. We have a lot of local rights. You've got a lot of production. You've got a lot of stuff. You've got the teams and everything. But they got overvalued really highly by Fox and Diamond Sports Group. Like they just paid through the nose. When that deal happened, anyone in the industry was like, ooh, how's that going to work? And now we're seeing as court cutting happens, they can't beat up with the demand that they pay for it. Sports rights keep going up and up and up. But the local RSN business struggles because of what we talked about, that cable subscriptions going down. And if you go direct to consumer, those D2C products are not making up that shortfall by any means, at least not yet. So we're watching them. Diamond Sports Group any day now is going to declare bankruptcy. Discovery is pushing off and saying we're out of the RSM business. But it makes it really interesting because you said projectly, like, we don't know what's going to happen. No one even has a good prediction of what's going to happen because you've got, I don't know, it's something like hundreds and hundreds of games with an NBA, MLB, MLS, um, college basketball or all have nowhere to go. People still want the games. They're willing yeah. to pay something for those games, but no one knows where it's going to go. And in my opinion, it's going to change the industry very quickly. And everyone's really curious because every facet of the industry is now you have all these things, all these rights, they can't pay their bills. Someone's going to come and do something. Private equity is going to be involved. Everyone's going to be involved and no one knows how it's going to play out. And it's got to happen quick mm. because you've got hundreds and hundreds of live games that people want to watch. And very soon, there'll be nowhere to watch them. And just just for all our students to know and all the listeners, when you have something that's an incredible asset, people will overpay. Companies will overpay, regardless of the quality, right? So they might be live, living on kind of yesteryear's uh, play as well, but there's a lot of current amazing things happening in all these leagues we just mentioned. And they're fun to watch. Live sports is just, I love it. You know, I don't even know some of these sports, but I'll get in. Uh, like we're looking at pickleball as an investment now. Oh. And, you know, and I'm a tennis guy, but okay, this is something different. And it's on the same size as a badminton court. I actually have someone from pickleball coming in. He's a CEO, FO of one of the teams. He's going to come in and speak in a couple weeks. You're welcome. Oh, you can't. You're, you're, you're set. Your class the same time as mine. Because <laughs> right. you've had some phenomenal speakers I wanted to come to. If you haven't played, it's fantastic watching it. I, I would love to talk to him because they're, they got to find the same way we talked about. Pickleball's got to find its way. They can't be tennis light. They have to be their own brand. Like, if you've ever played pickleball, the rules and the strategy, like I have friends that go, why aren't you slamming it? It's like, oh, no, no, no. You got to understand the rules of pickleball. If I was pickleball, yeah. like they got to explain their sport and their message out there a little better. But man, do they have an opportunity because it is a great sport. You, you know, the, and you're, you're hitting it right on the point. You know, the cool thing about them is so tennis is a legacy play, right? It's a very expensive sport to play if you're a player. Right, you have to get. There's a lot of equipment. It's kind of like lacrosse and all the other and fencing and all these kind of uh, kind of teams and squash. Let's put it there. We looked at squash at one point. So the cool thing about them is they can learn from all the pros and cons of what all the other leagues have done. And as a as an emerging sport, so now you have LeBron, you have Kevin Durant as owners of teams. Right, they're partial owners. A lot of celebrities make celebrity event make it event driven. Right. And around these games, and I think they're going to follow that model. And they're going to, I think they could crush it if they do it right. So they're in the, I'm trying to get into these conversations. Like maybe we could help you impact how big this gets. Right. And and I love sport. (laughs) I agree with the celebrities. I agree with the event atmosphere. Uh, The only thing is they, they keep having like tennis celebrities come to pickleball. I get why they're doing it, but no, no, no. I feel like you want to have that, have Federer own a team, but don't have them play pickleball. Like you want to create their own. I'll, I'll tell you one thing though. When we were looking at squash, when we were looking at squash, so I, it, you know they have a huge event at at uh, Grand Central uh, Terminal every year, and it's this huge. They put a squash uh, kind of like uh, like a uh, what do you call it? Dang it, it's not a cage, <laughs> a squash like a. Um, uh, arena in the middle of Grand Central. It's oh, just a glass awesome. encased, whatever, and they play squash, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I can't think of anything. It's the whiskey, coffee, and water adding up. But they, they'll put that in the middle of Grand Central, and they'll have like a tournament yeah. that's every year. And we were looking at, and it's horribly run. 
right? We look, we talked to the team, the the owner of the league, you know, the admin, and they were just, they're like, we don't know what to do with this. They can market and make it bigger because it's an elite person sport. It, it meaning you'd be really wealthy to play in the, the, the viewers of it. So I'm like, let's open it up to the masses, keep it there. Then you can have events around it or whatever it is. And then, Hey, do something with the formula one, partner them up or something. Cause it's the same demo generally, or, or you open it to the masses and then it's a quality, it's a quantity over quality thing. But I think you keep it in the quality space. So pickleball is going to be a more accessible sport, yep. uh, you know, for many, cause anybody can jump in and play, uh, on a tennis court, but it's a, a third the size of a tennis court from what I understand. Yeah. It's smaller setup, but <clears throat> Okay. You just kind of like badminton, I guess. You've heard some tennis courts. It's really easy. You have more. Okay. And they really only have like, and these people, like if they're on these teams, like the DC team, the gentleman we're talking to, the players, just four players, they live all across America and they come together three times a year to play. It's a great game. <laughs> but get, I'm going to give you the weirdest analogy because I, I okay. when I think about pickleball, if you've ever watched ESPN hold the hot dog eating contest, if you've ever I've heard watched about it, yeah, it. <laughs> they do a super high level production. They do a ton of graphics and they embrace the event atmosphere and then they do over the top. Like Joey Chestnut has won more championships than Jordan and LeBron and everyone and Brady. And they do these graphics. But you know what they do really well? One, they embrace the event. And two, they explain every detail. They give the backgrounds of the players and suddenly you're watching and you're like, oh, Joey Chestnut is this age. And they explain what the rules are. Like Pickleball, when you watch a Pickleball match, when I watch it on TikTok or whatever, I never understand what I'm watching. And I was like, they got a they got a graphic the hell of it. Like everyone should understand those rules and why it's different than tennis, and they should be pitching why it's better than tennis. Like, ah, oh, tennis you have these long volleys and you're just trying to hit hard, but pickleball you got to do this with the spin and you can't step in this area. Like they have some cool rules and okay. people don't get it, so they just think it's tennis light, like it's badminton, and like, oh, I was yeah. like, they should watch the the ESPN the way they produce Coney Island to this extremely high level. And almost embrace okay. it. Now ESPN does it in that mocking, joking way. But also, when you watch the one-hour hot dogging contest, you walk out and you know, well, it's twelve minutes, and here's what a hot dog is eating, and here's how you can drink the water. And they over-explain it to such a fun way that you're like, this is awesome. And that's awesome. Like if I could go to the pickleballs, I'd say, don't make fun. Watch that hour long because you'll see at the end suddenly you're invested in the hot dogging contest in a way that's just incredibly well done and they do it every year. So I suggest it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So, Hey, we, you know what I forgot to do? Cause I usually don't run point on these. Someone else does. Um, so we forgot to bring up the whiskey of the day. So let's talk about your whiskey of the day. You, you brought one. Well, I'm showing it to a screen that doesn't exist for everyone, but right now I have, cause I was excited to do this podcast with the tool. I have my McAllen 15 double cast. So Boom. I went a little nicer today. Usually my go-to is the 12 Sherry Oak, which is a little sweeter. And my favorite, yeah. but the 15 gives a little, little nicer finish and, uh, you know, ends the day off of a week very nicely. So that's my go-to. I'm a McAllen guy. McAllen 15. So that just tells you, Mr. Professor Russell Link is, uh, he's rich, right? He's got the 15 year. <laughs> so, like, this is good. Um, no, I love that. I love that. And I didn't prep you for this. So you tell me shit. You should know. We have a section where you tell us about a favorite piece of content, book you're reading, thing you're watching. It could be a sport that we just talked about. Uh, give it to us. What, what's your shit, your shit you should know? You know what? I'm going to admit something to the group. As a guy who consumes a lot of content, I'm going to choose a show that I just binged two series that have been around for a while. But I said, it's as we all know, sometimes you're like, ah, I don't know if I could do 10 season commitment between two shows. And I said, you know what? I want to do it. Everyone said it's the best. And I'm going to be disappointed because it's going to be overrated. If I watch Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh. Holy cow! I wit. I'm almost glad I never watched it because to be able to binge that and it took a while. It's a lot of episodes. Just some yeah. of the best stuff I've seen. So I admit that it took me too long to watch it. But to be able to watch ten seasons, I just watched one into the next. I didn't watch anything for a while. So you finished Breaking Bad. You finished the entire thing. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul straight through all. Oh wow! Through, you know, Breaking Bad was five or six seasons. The same for Better Call Saul and. My that is just some incredible acting, writing, and just an incredible run of like. I would so say. educate me. So I've seen Breaking Bad, phenomenal. That is some of the best script writing and acting. I mean, that guy, the gentleman, I forget his name, the main guy, Brian Cranston. Yes, amazing. I haven't seen Better Call Saul. I think I saw one five minute clip. Didn't get into it yet. I haven't. I haven't finished it. So is it? But it's supposed to be before Breaking Bad, right? Yes, it goes through. I won't give anything away. No spoilers on your show. 
But yes, Veracol Salt, the same way. You almost got to restart your brain, but it's so good because it's well-written, it's well-acted, and then it starts to tie in the Breaking Bad. Like It gives you all those Easter eggs and everything, some direct. Oh, sweet. But it's well-written, different type of show, but almost the same. Like You got to go through it because it gives you everything you want. So some people like Better Call Saul better. I don't know if I do because Breaking Bad was just so well acted. Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul were just so Oh, he's phenomenal. There's hands down. And, you know, he was on that one family show a long time ago. I never Malcolm watched any of that. Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle. But like then here, so I'm like, oh, he's a, he's a phenomenal actor. Right? Yeah. <laughs> he's great. So good. Um, so that's my random thing that uh, just if you haven't seen okay. it, I'm going to give something random too. I'm going to do something random. Yeah. The Chris Rock special. I mentioned it. Uh, it came out. I missed a live portion of it. I actually think I saw five minutes of it. I guess like, you know, a bunch of Arsenio Hall and David Spade, all of them came on uh, before or after when they, Netflix did it. It was live, which is cool. It's unique for Netflix. So that's shifting their business model as well. Yep. And then they'll be able to sell ads against future live programming, right? Which they're going to do on their tiered model. Um, it's phenomenal because he addresses everything that happened to him or others in the last year, year and a half. So there's there's major chunks of Will Smith. You've already seen, if you've seen, there's portions of it out there. He addressed that entire thing. He went for like 10 minutes, called him every kind of word. And I, I'm here for it. I loved it. I loved it. And he took that he took that hit from a big man, like a man, <laughs> you know, on stage. And this is his outrage is what it's called this is his re- his rebuttal which i like he went after Meghan markle and the hair you know prince harry and all these folks and all these so it was i loved it and um i love his approach to things uh just because he's not just gonna f- fall in line with what's politically correct he's gonna say what he says and I, a lot of that i agree with which i love he's great. i love it i i look forward yeah. to watching i've been seeing it on tiktok but i gotta see the whole thing Sorry. i hope i didn't give much much away but you you, you probably already know some of the things he's going to address so, still make it funny but, i'll still definitely watch it so that's a good call that's a very good call. but cool all right thanks so much russ this has been awesome um we, we're over time but we'll, we'll do this again there's so much i think you and i could just go on and on about sports I just, we both love it and it, it is what it is so thanks so much again thank you for having me this was great all right we'll head it out take care thanks everyone